0: Hello, and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights, and strategic inputs from around the globe.
1: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the weekly Markets. I'm Richard Tang, the China strategist and the head of Research Hong Kong for Bank Julius Baer. Now, this week, we're going to focus on the U.S. equity market, followed by some comments on China. The focus late last week is obviously the non payroll data print, uh, which was double of what consensus estimated. Now, this, huge, this shows clearly that the job market in the U.S. is still very strong. Uh, back in December, the interest rate market was pricing in six cuts by Fed in 2024, with the first one in March. We did push back against this view because we think the U.S. economy is strong. And right now, the market is pricing in almost zero probability of a March cut and even the May cut is not a 100% chance. In any case, it does seem that the market is moving towards the June's best view of first cut in May instead. Now, to say the obvious, the changes in Fed expectations are also reflected in the Treasury and also currency markets. Uh, What surprises investors perhaps is that the repricing of a further away interest rate cut did not pressure the stock market late last week, possibly because it happens for a good reason, i.e. a strong economy, but I think also because the earnings season has been strong, particularly with the most recent reports. Now a few simple statistics on the US reporting season. Close to two thirds of the SBX already reported, average earnings surprise is plus six percent, which I would say roughly similar to a circle average. Average revenue surprise is a bit weaker at only plus one percent. This means that companies are good at managing margins to beat market expectations at the bottom line. Also, as we already towards the later part of the reporting season, uh, buybacks are also gradually resuming, which would provide further liquidity support to the stock market. This reporting season is actually quite important in the sense that valuation of the market is indeed not cheap and positioning not light. In particular, we've been tracking the non-dealer's length in the U.S. index futures, and the positioning is a 10-year high, so investors are definitely in the market already. And for them to be convinced to buy more stocks in the U.S., companies must be able to deliver their earnings. And we have decent results from most of the U.S. banks so far. And uh, Amazon, Meta, and a couple of other technology companies also reported strong numbers. Uh, And since we just touched on mega cap companies, one pushback from the more conservative investors on this sector generally refers to the increasing concentration of these mega cap stocks in the index. The top 10 companies now account for 25% of the SPX earnings, but 33% of market cap. This basically tells us that the stocks are trading at higher than average valuation levels, but we think they're still at reasonable levels, especially when you consider the above average growth outlook. Or the other way to examine this, especially for those who are concerned that these stocks are getting more frothy, is simply to compare now versus the dot-com bubble peak. In March 2000, the largest five stocks are Microsoft, Cisco, General Electric, Intel, and ExxonMobil. And at their peaks, they traded at 43 times P, earnings yield close to 4 points below the 10-year yield at that time, with the 11 times PEV sales. Now, the top 10 stocks are trading at 27 times P, earnings yield almost the same as the current 10-year yield, and 6 times EV sales. So clearly, the situations are way less extended compared to 2000. And one thing to note that the top five in 2000 delivered much weaker revenue growth compared to initial expectations. We actually had 8% as the actual number versus 16% estimate at the beginning. So that was a quite a a significant disappointment. Consensus currently expects the top 10 stocks right now to deliver 12% revenue CAGR in the coming three years. Obviously, too early to tell whether that would be achievable or not, but at the very least, we still haven't seen any big disappointments yet. So we're not that worried that the mega gap stocks would fail because on aggregate, they are still doing fine. What we're more focusing on is whether the mega seven constituents will remain the same going forward. Reason being, Apple and Tesla seem to be falling behind recently in terms of both the fundamental strength as well as price performance. Over the past six months, uh, Mac 7 gained 17%, Apple roughly flat, and Tesla actually dropped 25%. I would say it is still too early to conclude whether we're close to seeing a change in stock leadership in the U.S. market, but this will likely be one thing that investors will be closely monitoring in the course of 2024. And the last thing in the U.S. before we move on to China is the U.S. banks. The focus of the market has been on the sharp rebound in the U.S. banks, especially the regional banks, over the past two to three months, as part of the broadening out process of the U.S. market rally. There is one stock called the New York Community Bank, which fell sharply recently because of cuts in both guidance and dividends. This is the bank that acquired Signature Bank back in early 2023. For now, the market seems to believe that this is an idiosyncratic issue and is not representative of the overall sector. It has a high CRE concentration, has been operating with lower liquidity, lower reserve for a while. So we are not most constructive of banks on a relative basis because we like tech more, but it does appear that the broad regional bank sector is fine, especially as the treasury yield has peaked and the broader economy has been surprising on the upside. And then before we close, just a few comments on China. To the disappointment of many investors, the market has fallen sharply year to date and it is now pressured by three technical overhangs. First, the Snowball products are knocking in their downsides, and by the design of the products, once the downside is knocked in, the dealers will have to unwind some of their long hedges, which essentially creates some additional selling pressure to the market. But we believe that the bulk of these knock ins are already behind us, so we should have seen the worst of it already. What is ongoing is actually the second one, which is the margin financing. In recent weeks, we've seen sudden drop in the outstanding balance in margin financing. And we believe that this implies that a large amount of margin calls have happened over a short period of time. We do not have enough information to calculate how much of the margin financing may be close to margin calls. But given how much the market has fallen, we think that there may be some ongoing selling from that channel, which could exacerbate market downside from here. And then the last thing that we are monitoring is stock batch. It is well known that some of the Chinese entrepreneurs, they have pledged their shares to a bank for financing purpose, and public data show that the outstanding balance is now roughly 2.6 trillion Chinese yen. Some analysts estimate that two-thirds of the share pledge may be close to hitting the LTV threshold, even though 2.6 trillion yen is just a small fraction when compared to the very large total market cap of A shares. 2.6 trillion yen on absolute sense is still a large amount of money that could cause further volatility along the way. So our bottom line for the Chinese stock market uh, for both Asia and Hong Kong is that the market valuation looks extremely cheap. Fundamentals are not worsening further, so there may be some value emerging soon. All being said, we're mindful that these technical elements may cause the market to overshoot on the downside, so we try not to catch the falling night right now, not to mention that uh, we're still concerned about the structural headwinds in the economy. All right, that's all I have to say today. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next podcast. Goodbye for now.
0: You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, please tell us by leaving a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe to Beyond Markets on your favorite podcast player to stay up to date with our latest episodes. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, our latest thinking visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com legal podcasts for further important legal information.